And now, a brief announcement from Ben Zelovansky, co-producer of the Dead Authors Podcast. Hello, my name is Ben Zelovansky, and I'm the co-producer of the Dead Authors Podcast. While there is no doubt in my mind that you will thoroughly enjoy this installment of our program, as co-producer, I'm afraid it falls to me to address a bit of unpleasantness. In the early stages of his discussion with writer-slash-pimp Iceberg Slim, our host, the estimable H.G. Wells, rather loudly chastises an individual who has arrived late to the recording. I wish I could go into more specifics here, but on advice of counsel, I must refrain from doing so. Let's just say that a deficit in punctuality appears to go hand-in-hand with both noise sensitivity and litigious enthusiasm. Those who have been to the UCB Theater in Los Angeles are no doubt familiar with the extensive legal disclaimer that comes printed on the back of every ticket sold. But for those of you who are purely podcast listeners, please consider this fair warning. Let the listener beware. Ultimately, I think we're going to come out of this thing just fine. And if not, Mr. Wells is fully prepared to travel back in time and prevent this individual's parents from ever meeting. Thank you for your kind understanding in this matter. And now, the gentleman who says, and now, the host of the Dead Authors Podcast, Mr. H.G. Wells. This podcast is intended as entertainment for grown-ups and to spread awareness of 826LA, a nonprofit writing and tutoring center for children ages 6 to 18. Visit 826LA.org for a full schedule of 826LA's events and programs, including the Time Travel Mart, with locations in Echo Park and Mar Vista, California. And now, the host of the Dead Authors Podcast, Mr. H.G. Wells. Hello all and welcome to chapter 43 of the Dead Authors Podcast with my special guest, the noted author and pimp, Iceberg Slim. It may astonish you to learn that Mr. Slim is not the first pimp we've had on our program. I refer, of course, to none other than Carl Sagan, whose life away from the telescope made for a fascinating area of discussion that we unfortunately had to cut for time. Unlike the climbs in which you're likely to find the free-floating glacial chunk with which our guest shares his nom de pimp, the weather in Los Angeles where we typically record our program has been nothing short of tropical. This winter, not only did local groundhogs fail to see their shadows, a great many had to be hospitalized due to heat exhaustion and sun rash. I myself was forced to leave the theater in a simple tweed suit without accompanying waistcoat and overcoat. I might as well have been a newborn babe, stepping insouciantly from the womb for how naked I felt. It was only by sheer luck that I failed to encounter any ladies whilst tending to my affairs in town, for surely they would have fainted dead away at the sight of me, or perhaps from dehydration. As I always say, starting now, drastic weather calls for drastic measures, and so I did what any right-thinking individual would do, provided that individual had access to a time machine. I grabbed my puffiest parka and the red and black ear-flappered hunting hat that J.D. Salinger left behind at the UCB Theatre some years back, and set a course for the Ice Age, a good 650,000 years in the past. Now before you get too excited, I may as well tell you, not one of the woolly mammoths, saber-toothed tigers, or sloths I encountered showed even a shred of the good-natured bonhomie that so endeared us to Messrs. Romano, Leary, and Leguizamo in the animated film classic. But if I'm being truthful, I didn't hang about long enough to get a proper sample size. Why, you ask? Because it was bloody cold! While seemingly at first a refreshing escape from February in Los Angeles, your intrepid host was only able to tolerate the cold for all of five minutes without a roaring fire, leather chair, oak-panelled study, and snifter of brandy. Oh, and I accidentally dropped Salinger's hat down a frozen crevasse somewhere along the way. Have fun with that one, archaeologists. Speaking of having fun, why don't you do just that by listening to Chapter 43 of the Dead Authors Podcast with special guest, Iceberg Slim. Have a seat right there. Thank you very much for being here. You're welcome. I wonder if you might favor us with a reading from one of your works, if that wouldn't be too much trouble. I'm sure the audience would love to hear you uh, reading uh, your words in your own voice. Oh, I'd love to. (laughs) Dawn was breaking as the big hog scooted through the streets. 
My five whores were chattering like drunk magpies. <laughs> I smelled the stink that only a street whore who has after a long, busy night, the inside of my nose was raw. <laughs> it happens when you're a pig for snorting cocaine. <laughs> my nose was on fire and the stink of those whores and the gangster they were smoking seemed like invisible knives scraping the root of my brain. I was in evil, dangerous mood. I remember that day. <laughs> Despite that pile of scratch crammed into the glove compartment, that's money. Thank you. Thank you money. Scratch equals money. <clears throat> God damn it, has one of you bitches shit on herself or something? I bellowed. <laughs> As I flipped the long window towards me, for a long moment, there was silence. Iceberg Slim, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much indeed. Now, I, I, I'd like to, uh, to... Did you get what that was about? It seems, and, uh, and, and stop me at any moment where, where, where I've lost the plot, um, there's this pimp. Mm -hmm. it, it's early morning, so his, uh, his prostitutes have been working all night. Mm -hmm. And so they've, they've taken on a, a rather rank smell because of the, it's involved in the work. <laughs> they're, they're, they're literally uh, rubbing up against people all night long mm -hmm. and probably don't have a, a lot of uh, chances to, uh, to take a bath. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> because that means that you're not... That means I'm losing money. That's exactly. <laughs> and so by the time morning rolls round... Um, Welcome. By the time morning rolls round, they, they smell quite pungent indeed. Now, here's this pimp. He's been doing cocaine so much that uh, his nose is in a, a very poor state. The last thing he needs is these prostitutes smelling of, of Johns uh, for the last eight hours or so. I don't know how long a prostitute shift is. Um, <laughs> just going by the regular you work You seem to know. Because well, <laughs> you nailed it. Well, oh, I, I'm, glad, I'm very glad to hear that. Um, and so um, the, the pimp, of course, must be in control of the prostitutes. And so he bellows at them, where's my money, I need my money. Um, and there's the, the great pile of scratch money <laughs> in the glove compartment of this, uh, of this motor car. And, um, I, and the pimp has a moment to reflect, as there's a moment of silence just on his life as a pimp, as a cocaine fiend. Um, and as someone who uh, must uh, yell money out of prostitutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're scratching the surface. <laughs> There's more. I've only just... Yeah. That's only the top layer. Yeah. Because what it's really about is the pitfalls of success. <laughs> that after all I've done and all the cocaine that I was able to get and that... That wasn't enough. That the smell of some stank pussy would set me off. <laughs> is the lesson... May, may I... May I sum it up as succinctly as I possibly can? Please do. The more money you make, the more problems you will end up having. I mean, I, I've shortened it as much as I possibly can. I can't imagine a shorter way to express that thought. May I, may I ask, before we, before we uh, jump into the interview, um, 
what would you like to be called? Because you've been called several different things over the course of your life. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you were born uh, Robert Maupin, um, and then you later uh, adopted the uh, the surname uh, uh, Beck, uh, which was uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 man that your your mother was married to, mm -hmm. your dear mother. Um, but of course, everyone knows you as Iceberg Slim. That was your nom de plume, and also your name on the streets. Um, so, what is there a, a preferred uh, way to, uh, for me to address you? I mean, Iceberg is fine. You know, Iceberg Slim was a, was a younger moniker of mine before I was able to get successful and then gain some weight. <laughs> and when you think about it, do you really want to be a Slim Iceberg? No, you're practically gone then, I would think, yes. The, the larger the iceberg, the more successful it is as an iceberg. <laughs> I, ne I never thought of it that way. But yeah, Redwood, the most successful tree I can think of. Um, Iceberg, you were born in Chicago, Illinois. Absolutely. Um, you, you spent your childhood in, in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, and then you returned to Chicago. Um, did yeah, you... they have great water parks. In... <laughs> Are you a water park fan? <laughs> That's what I loved. I love them. There's one thing I love. Well, there's two things I love. Pimpin' Horse. Certainly. <laughs> water parks. Is, is there a favorite attraction for you at the water park? Because, and the reason I ask is, when I think of a water park, I think of, um, you know, the slide where you mm -hmm. go up to the top and then uh, the attendant says you're ready to go and then you go down and then you, you, you splash into the pool and then you get out and do it all over again. Um, are there more things happening at water parks or is that pretty much it? That's about it. <laughs> it's also the wave pool. That's where I like to hang out. Oh, the wave pool. Yes, of course. And you enjoy the wave. What is it about the wave pool that you enjoy so much? It's just a place where I could just be myself, you know? <laughs> and I'm not in control of anything. Just I'm in charge of so much out there. You're just bobbing along in these man-made waves, uh, surrounded by your fellow water park goers. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, there's, uh, do you see all sorts of people at the water park? You always do. You mostly, you see, I mean, I've seen several customers there. <laughs> oh, who said right? Yeah, because you, I mean, you, it's, you really, it's actually a really good place to put your horse if you didn't know. I did not know. Well, you should know. Because <laughs> you've got a lot, of, there's a lot of space. You send your kids off to go down a water slide and then you go get a blowjob. I make $50. It's a great day for everybody. <laughs> it happens on site? It happens on site. There's several locker rooms. I mean, it's it's, it's an open area. You should see what they're charging for churros. That's the least of their words. <laughs> Do you like roller coasters? <laughs> I love roller coasters. Do, now, do you like the the loop-de-loop? -loop? Yeah, I do. I find... And now, this might be my old age, but as I get older, my stomach can't handle the loop-de-loops as they used to. Might be the cocaine that I did. <laughs> so sometimes I'm just on the pirate ships, back on Oh, forth. so it just goes back and forth. Oh, that's fun. It's it fun. is you get fun. That feeling and it's just below your stomach. I see you! I do, please, well, I do, I do, I do apologize. Your, your, resp your response could not have been, it was beyond my wildest dreams. The response that you had, I do. That's the sort of thing that I would hate if someone did to me, but I, I, I cannot deny the, the, the magical feeling of power it gave me to do it to you. I do, I do apologize. But, but, but be on time next time. I think somebody's got a future as a pal. <laughs> I know a fellow pimp when I see one. 
You said you liked the rush. You got the perfect pimp name, H.G. Wells, Ho Getter Wells. Do you know? Do you know it was? Uh, it was. Uh, Hen- Henry Miller suggested that the H.G. Uh, might have stood for original gangster. We'll go with that. That's a great pimp name. I'd actually would like to ask you to please not pimp. <laughs> no, I, I've got my hands full with uh, with doing this uh, with doing the show. So you, you've no worries about uh, 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 competition from me. <laughs> I won't have to cut you. <laughs> now we are both relieved. <laughs> um, your mother, um, after your father left, uh, it was just you and your mum, mm. and uh, she eventually opened a beauty salon to mm-hmm. uh, to support the two of you. Um, and she earned enough money to give you a college education. Mm-hmm. You briefly went to Tuskegee. Uh, university in Alabama, but um, you didn't you didn't stay there long because you started bootlegging, um, and uh, and you were subsequently kicked out. Yeah, I mean kids will be kids, you know. <laughs> Certainly. Well, I mean, was it was it a thriving bootlegging business at the Most time? Most definitely. Uh, you know, just running uh, alcohol back and forth to the college, as well as you know, I was also minor renting pimping at that time. Oh, you were studying it at the school. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's really really started. I mean, if I can really trace it back, um, and I don't really like to get into it, but I remember exactly why I started pimping. And it's, it, I remember I was a young bootlegger, and I had, I had I met a nice, nice, nice lady, and uh, I asked out on the date, and she said yes, and it was nice, and we went out a couple times, and then um, it just kind of faded out, you know, and I was like, never again. <laughs> So I'm a pimp whores from now on. Now is that is that just to protect yourself emotionally? Yeah, I mean it's a, it's what is that? You think you're getting to know somebody? <laughs> certainly, <laughs> certainly. You invited them over. You bake them breakfast sometimes, you know. And then a gentleman does. Certainly. I do. Yes. I did. But of course. <laughs> Of course. And then, then, you know, you think you're getting to know them, and then they just up and you, they don't answer your phone calls anymore. Did you at the time feel that you had become undateable? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did at that time. <laughs> um, you certainly, um, it, was, it was all around you, and, and, and certainly you could see in, in your own neighborhood, in your home life, um, you could see that the pimps were the people who were in control. Yeah. Um, and so it, 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 it's certainly easy to draw a line between uh, the way you felt and uh, uh, the resulting uh, career. Um, you started pimping young, 18 years old. Thank you. <laughs> bit, bit, of a, <laughs> bit of a prodigy. Um, <laughs> And during your career, you had over 400 women working for you. (laughs) I think think your instinct was correct. Certainly certainly not to... I I don't mean to be rude to our guest in any way, but the first response was was probably right on. It's, you're, such a, you're such an engaging person that people feel as if they want to applaud for that accomplishment. But, but t- times have changed somewhat. Um, um, and, and even uh, certainly in your life, uh, uh, things have changed. Um, um, you, you would eventually, uh, you pimped for about, uh, until you were about age 42. And then um, you did a 10 month stretch in prison, uh, including a stretch in solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, uh, you decided that you would make money off of writing about pimping mm-hmm. rather than doing the actual pimping. Basically, I just had reached the top of my profession. You know? <laughs> like, where do you go from pimping 400 whores? You know, that's the. Could you imagine running a corporation that big? I, I certainly cannot. It's a lot of work. It's, it sounds like a lot. What, what, is the, what is the most involved or tedious part of pimping? Schedule making. <laughs> <laughs> Just 
just making sure everybody's on schedule, just making sure every it's just, you know, it's the forms, everything. Did you have um did you have a book, a ledger in which you kept all the dates, or did you have like one of those great big calendars where you would say, she's with this John and she's with this John? I mean, I was really on the forefront of pimping, so I was one of the first, I mean, I had one of the first computers, actually. <laughs> Is that so? So I was out there, I had to make sure everybody was on schedule, so I just, you know, everything was data entry and just, you know, it's just a, there's just so much more to pimping than you think. How big was this computer? It must have been a, it must have been a, a fairly large computer. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was pretty big. I can't. I mean, when times got rough, I would put a, a big skirt on it and see if I could get people to try to fuck it for money. <laughs> Can we? Do you, do you mind if we if we role play that transaction? I'll, I'll be I'll be the potential John, and you and you just be you. Yes, hello. I'd like to procure the services of uh, one of your prostitutes, please. Like a regular old, old like just like any old regular one. Oh, oh. This is intriguing. Tell me more. You ever watched the Jetsons? <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. It's like it's like a Flintstones in space. Mm -hmm. You know, you ever notice that? You know, Judy and you know they're, they're okay, and everybody else dollars looks okay. Uh, but if you ask me, the person who's really got some junk in their trunk is that robot maid of there. Well, are you saying you have a prostitute that uh, sort of uh, looks like is like a human version of that robot maid? I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> I'm telling you, you could be fucking the maid from the Jetsons. Let me just send my wife and child to the concession stand at this water park. Um, solitary confinement, of course, is, uh, is, is thought of to be uh, 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 quite harrowing. Um, I think it, solitary confinement, I think, is a thing that most people who haven't been to prison think, well, what's the big deal? <laughs> you're just, you're there by yourself. It actually sounds kind of nice. I'd rather be in solitary confinement than in uh, gen pop being uh, <laughs> beaten with a pipe every two seconds. <laughs> um, well, what, what was solitary confinement like for you? It was relaxing. That was... <laughs> It was just a lot. I, 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 I was like, it's finally some me time. <laughs> and, you know, and I would, you know, you do all by yourself, but, you know, they allowed me to, to uh, you know, I was given some art materials. I made some puppets and things of that nature. Puppets! <laughs> just to keep, you gotta keep your sanity and your creativity. And if they take your smile away from you, then they've won. <laughs> I would think that uh, prolonged. Uh, exposure to puppets would be the thing that would drive someone insane. That is one of the tricks I did use on my horse. <laughs> really? <laughs> to keep to keep them in line with <laughs> puppets? Yeah, I used all types of techniques. You know, sometimes, you know, I would move their keys. <laughs> they think their keys is in one place, but they really in another. It's just mind control. So it's so a sort of gaslighting. Mm -hmm. Just just mess them up. And like sometimes it'd be their birthday and they'd be expecting something. I'd be like, it's not your birthday, bitch. And then... <laughs> but then like six months later, I'd randomly throw them a surprise party. <laughs> just stuff like that. <laughs> Um, you were, you were uh, not a nice uh, pimp. No, uh, no, By no. your own admission, mm -mm. Um, you did say uh, you heard of what I did about <laughs> the keys. <laughs> yes. 
one of the things you said uh, in an interview with the Washington Post, you said, uh, talking about your, your, your pimping days, you said, I think it's a truism that women gravitate to a man who can at least flash transient evidence of heelism, that is, being a, a heel. Um, women are prone to masochism anyway. I think if you are able to manufacture a bit of heelism in your nature and give them a sense of insecurity as to whether some voluptuous rival might come along and steal you, then you are a treasured jewel. I mean, that's just poetry. <laughs> I haven't heard it coming from someone else's mouth before. Did the accent help it at all? I loved it. <laughs> I just feel like that's the truth. That's just a natural truth. If you could just say, hey, uh, you might not have me next week. They'll want you, you know, instead of just being the guy that's always there for them, always around, sometimes just up and disappear. Do you feel that was the mistake you made uh, with your early romances that uh, that drove you to pimpery? That uh, you felt as if I'm sure that's a word that you felt um, you made yourself too available. Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm a. I always consider myself an open flower when it comes to relationships. <laughs> when I love, I tell you everything about me, and I'm and I love. I look you in the eyes and I say I love you. You know, and it's for people to one time take advantage of that. Uh, I feel that's enough for me to then just ruin a lot of people's lives. <laughs> well, I mean, there's many schools of thought. <laughs> um, in your autobiography, uh, you, you did uh, concede that you were a, a, a very uh, ruthless and vicious uh, uh, pimp. Uh, you sometimes uh, uh, beat women with wire hangers, mm -hmm. um, but that is that's not a thing that uh, you're doing anymore. No, 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 not anymore. Uh, is it fair to say, no more wire hangers? <laughs> I see what you're doing. <laughs> there. I thought you wanted to get into the ins and outs of beating women. <laughs> But you were just setting me up for a joke. That's all. That's, that's guilty as charged. I do wish we had time to discuss the various methods and techniques one can use to beat a woman. But I'm afraid we do have to move, move on. Now, these, this was the sort of uh, advice that you got from, uh, from the other pimps uh, that you met. Um, uh, you were noted for being able to, to effectively conceal your emotions. It's a lesson you learned from a fellow named Sweet Jones, oh. who said, a pimp... <laughs> he said, a pimp has got to know his whores, but not let them know him. He's got to be God all the way. Now, this is a man who was uh, uh, born in the, in the previous century. Um, he had been pimping for over 60 years mm -hmm. uh, at the time you knew him. Um, but eventually he did... Uh, he did shoot himself. He ended his life. Um, he left a note that said, in part, Goodbye, squares. Kiss my pimping ass. <laughs> There's no better way to go out. <laughs> I mean, he pimped through, like, he pimped throughout history. <laughs> I, I hadn't thought of it that way. But I suppose that's exactly true. But in, in his time as a pimp, he saw so many things happen. Yeah, he just, so many things weren't invented and then were invented and then he used those things to beat people. <laughs> so so he's, he could remember the invention of the telephone and then eventually clobbering someone with it. If only he'd had the strength to, to beat someone with one of those gigantic Univac computers. That <laughs> That's a lot to ask. But uh, uh, certainly you can see a, a cautionary tale with Sweet Jones that uh, uh, the, the pimping life is not... Uh, is not uh, uh, Sweet Jones uh, himself, although long-lived, uh, uh, eventually uh, ended in a terrible way. And perhaps you saw that there's, there's no good way out of pimping. No, I knew I, I had to move on. And I figured, I mean, I'm, I had to... And again, I had pimped, you know, I pimped as many women as possible. And I was like, let me see if I could, like, pimp words, you know? <laughs> let me, and I mean, because there's other things I had tried. I had tried to pimp, you know, you, you can't pimp a squirrel. I tried that. 
could you talk me through the uh, <laughs> the method you employed to uh, to pip a squirrel? Well, mostly it was just like you like nuts, right? <laughs> Let me show you these. But apparently that I didn't know a lot about squirrels. <laughs> I don't know how much anyone does. Uh, apart from no one knows, no one truly knows about squirrels. We do know they like nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that, that much is certain. Have you ever met a tame squirrel? Sometimes, uh, sometimes in uh, places like uh, Griffith Park here in, in, in Los Angeles, uh, they have these uh, uh, these squirrels who are who are so used to human beings being around them and feeding them mm -hmm. that uh, you, you walk towards uh, you, you're walking on a path where there's a squirrel and uh, you expect the squirrel. Uh, to run out of the way, but he doesn't. Mm. He just he just stands there. He waits for you to approach him. If you stop, because it's so because it's, it's a sort of uncanny valley territory. This is not supposed to be happening. It's not the arrangement as uh, ordained by nature. Um, and uh, he just uh, to, to the sight of a squirrel uh, patiently waiting for you. It's it's very unnerving. Well, that kind of makes me. I mean, that makes me feel like some of my work did work out in the squirrel prostitution game. Because I feel like maybe that was just when I let go. Because I just ended up letting them all go. Was the idea that you were going to get squirrels to be prostitutes for other squirrels? Or for any sort of woodland creature? No, I needed human being money. So my whole idea was basically to get 10 to 12 squirrels to fill out some type of coat. You telling me you're not interested? <laughs> I, I, I'd rather not say on the record. <laughs> um, it, was, it was a fellow named uh, Glasstop, another pimp. Mm. Uh, he was the one um, um, who uh, got you hooked on drugs, unfortunately. No, no, I thank him for that. <laughs> yeah, so you enjoyed your time uh, when you were addicted to drugs. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Heroin was a lot of fun for me. And that it just let Can me... Can I stop you right there? Mm -hmm. That's a statement you don't often hear. <laughs> but, I, but I think there's more people that would, uh, that would uh, say that that's true if you really press them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you, why do it if it's not fun? It's fun. It's a great time. I recommend it for most people. <laughs> well, that's, that's certainly not something people say. <laughs> I'm just out here telling you to really, if I could impart any wisdom from the time that I learned from Pimpin' and all the troubles and the mistakes I've made, is that you should really uh, keep Pimpin' and do heroin. <laughs> we'll of course let, uh, let the audience decide for themselves if, that, if that's a plan that will work for them. Absolutely. Different strokes, different folks. Exactly. I'm not... Couldn't have said it better myself. I wouldn't force it down somebody's throat, but I just say, look into it. <laughs> Let's talk about your writing. Um, your first uh, autobiographical novel, uh, mm -hmm. released in 1967, uh, called Pimp, mm -hmm. The Story of My Life. And um, it debuted to mixed reviews. Um, mm. it, was, it was categorized by some as being very typical of the sort of uh, uh, revolutionary uh, uh, black literature of the time. Um, but your vision was considerably bleaker than, uh, than most of the other writers of, of, your, of your time um, because it was based on your personal experiences. You were actually living this stuff and, and writing about it. Um, did you feel a responsibility to tell it like it was? You didn't want to sugarcoat it? Pretty much. I mean, I did kind of sugarcoat it a little bit, but I, I wanted to just tell the truth. I wanted to tell people that the only real things going on in this world is pimping and hoeing, and that you got to be a horrible person to survive sometimes. You get hooked on drugs, and then eventually you die, and that's really the story of life. I don't feel... You're saying this is a universal message? Everyone I ever know. <laughs> Take your point. Um, uh, is there anything that you, you any truism or, or reality about pimping that you'd left out of your books? Yeah. It's, it's uh, and I mean, I feel like since it's the end, I'm not doing it. It's done. It's just, 
it's you wouldn't think it, but really, the women do all the work. I'm not doing that much. I kind of just collect the money yeah. at the end. Certainly. But the, w the women that are having sexual congress with, uh, with these various strangers, they're, they're, you're saying they're probably doing more work than you would do. I hate to admit it. But this is a safe space, certainly. You could say it now. Yeah, I mean, they're really the true stars. But of the story, they do all the work, and uh, I don't appreciate them. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have a greater appreciation for them now? Now that you've stopped pimping, do you, do you sort of uh, look, <laughs> look on your prostitutes and think, well done? <laughs> nah, fuck them bitches. <laughs> all right. Um, Pimp sold very well amongst uh, the African-American community, and uh, by 1973, it had been reprinted, reprinted 19 times. Mm -hmm. It sold nearly 2 million copies, translated into several different languages. Um, and in your lifetime, you sold over 6 million books, um, making you uh, one of the best-selling African-American writers after Alex Haley. Are you familiar? <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a sore spot? It's always has been. Because it just feels like, okay, I mean, anybody could write about slavery, you know? <laughs> Takes some real courage to, to write about Pampa. It's a bit more sympathetic to say, here's the story of my family, they were slaves, mm. rather than, hey, I'm a pimp. Yeah, it's just like the difference, like, I mean, it's like going to see a real, I mean, I'm doing real art, I'm doing a real art house movie, or you could go and see something like, you know, like McFarlane USA, or Spare Parts, where it's just, you know, it's just easy to get behind, okay, a bunch of Hispanic kids who have run in track and field, or, oh, slavery, who either, <laughs> wham, wham, wham. <laughs> Um, you, you also released an album, uh, a spoken word album. Uh, it was poetry. Uh, it's called Reflections. It came mm. out in the early 70s. And it was you uh, sort of telling these stories, story poems, and uh, backed by um, a, a jazz band. Mm -hmm. uh, um, was that a fun experience? Was that something you always saw yourself doing? I always felt that I had the soul of a poet deep down. And I just really wanted to go out there and just, you know, not be bound to just my, my true life stories and just get out there and just evolve as an artist. Um, I, I mean, I, I'd like to, to do one of the, my, my poems, if you, if you don't uh, mind. Certainly, absolutely. <laughs> would, you, would you like... Would you like any sort, of, uh, any sort of jazzy backing? If you had it, I didn't know you did. I'd love it. Let's see what we've got here. <laughs> <laughs> I, say, I, I say, Jim, uh, in the booth, do you, do you have any sort of jazzy backing we might, uh, we might enjoy? You should always have jazzy backing at the ready. <laughs> I, I do agree. I, I agree. And I, of course, One of course. Oh. <laughs> you again, a good pimp. <laughs> do you have a favorite jazz instrument? Uh, I mean, I've always, I've always just loved, like, just the jazz sack. You know, that's just the most sexual. Cool, smoky, mm -hmm. sort of, uh, it, it, it reminds me. Do you know what it reminds me of is the, is the theme song to Moonlighting, even though I don't know, I don't know that there was even a saxophone in, in, the, in the Moonlighting theme song. I think there was a picture of a saxophone in the opening. Was there? Does anyone know for sure? I feel as if the, everything was very pink and then sort of neon blue, and then there was, you know, uh, 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 what was his name? Al Jarreau was singing the, uh, the theme song, and... Uh, and uh, then there's just pictures, sort of noirish pictures, and I, I well, there we go. <laughs> I'm gonna need you guys to calm down. Butterfly, where you going? Come back to. You're so beautiful, full of life, you make me cry. 
butterfly. You the thing I love the most. Bitch, come back here! a bit of a turn. <laughs> Surprise ending. Um, there have been uh, some attempts to, uh, to film adaptations of your work. Uh, uh, Black, Mama Black Widow. Um, uh, uh, Pimp is something that people have tried to film uh, for quite a while. Um, Trick it's hard. Baby. It's hard to do. It's like the Lord of the Rings. It's going to... It, <laughs> pimping that epic is hard to film. Now, would you prefer... That they uh, make Pimp into one movie? Or would you prefer they throw in a bunch of stuff that wasn't in there and really drag it out for three? <laughs> I would never do that to my customers. Oh, so you wouldn't do a thing where, say, people know this book Pimp backwards and forwards, and then they're watching the film and then they're saying, this wasn't in the book. And then when the movie ends, it's not over. And they say, what? Are you kidding me? This one was supposed to be self-contained. <laughs> so you wouldn't want to do that to me. No, I would never do that. I feel like that's just, that's too low. <laughs> you gotta have some type of morals. Um, in 2009, television producer Rob Weiss of the HBO show Entourage Purchase the film rights to produce Pimp. Are you okay with that? <laughs> Do you feel that that's the man to bring it to the silver screen? <clears throat> no. <laughs> I can't say it is. It's not my number one choice. I feel like you want like a... Just, I need somebody else who, who understands pimping. Like a real pimp who could actually, a, a pimp of Hollywood who could just bring that. Do out. you have someone in mind? Um, maybe like Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> I just feel like, like, like if anybody could just tell the tale, and you're like, you wouldn't even, it wouldn't even matter. Like I feel like people get caught up in race, gender, things of that nature. I want to find a true pimp. And I feel like that's Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> I hope that your wish comes true because I, <laughs> I'd very much like to see that film. <laughs> um, you, your work is an, you had an important influence on uh, uh, hip -hop, many hip-hop artists. Um, um, Ice-T and Ice Cube, for example, Pittsburgh Slim, they all took uh, part of your name for their mm -hmm. uh, uh, names. Um, uh, how do you feel about that? Is that something that you... Are, I, I mean, I, I don't know how familiar you are with the works of these people and, and if that's a, a sort of thing where you can see your influence or if you're even uh, happy about it. I mean, I just feel like it's a little bit uh, kind of a slap in the face to take a part of my name and not even really ever slap a bitch, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Sure, you talk about it, you rhyme about it, but did you do it? You're saying in for a penny, in for a pound. <laughs> I say, have you seen um, have you seen Law Law and Order Special Victims Unit? Oh. <laughs> now I'm not saying the man's a bad actor. No, so, you know, he's he's a huge fan of yours and and uh, uh, has done. Um, uh, uh, sorry, he, I think he produced a uh, a documentary on you, um, and he's a uh, uh, oh uh, 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 Doom Fox is a book that was written in 1978, not published until 1998. That was your last book. Um, it contains an introduction written by Ice T, so he's certainly a, a hero to you. And and sorry for the spoiler, letting you know what your last book is. I don't <laughs> usually do that uh, <laughs> on the show, but I got so caught up in reading my notes. Um, <laughs> so I do hope you'll forget that by the time I return you to your own time. That's fine. I mean, again, I'm uh, I've done as much as I can with with one topic. Really. 
You really did get a lot of mileage yeah. out of it. I mean, I just really just saw the money come in, and it was just like, do you want to know about Pimpin? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, do you want to know about it again? <laughs> Um, oh, here it is. I'm sorry. Ice-T did produce a documentary about you called Iceberg Slim, Portrait of a Pimp. Um, and they interviewed many people. Uh, Chris Rock, Snoop Dogg, Ice-T, Henry Rollins, of course. <laughs> Henry. <laughs> Hank. Good old Hank. <laughs> Do you know, he kept a, uh, he kept a tour diary where uh, he would talk about um, all the, uh, the, like the amount of push-ups he would do and how many Diet Cokes he drank and what he ate that day. That sounds insane. <laughs> a case could be made. Um, <laughs> do you know who else does that? Is the, the actor Russell Crowe on Twitter frequently will post uh, his, his workout for the day. <laughs> In case people want to emulate it. I, I suppose. I suppose that's, that sounds like a reason that someone might do something <laughs> like that. You ever see somebody and they just posting pictures on Instagram and it's just like they just drinking water? <laughs> I, I have seen my share of Instagram puzzlers, yes. That made me just want to slap a bitch. Is, is that your least favorite type of Instagram? Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. My most favorite will probably, I, I mean, I like, I follow several different dogs. Uh, <laughs> it's just, uh, if, they're wearing, if they're wearing hats, <laughs> it just melts my heart. Is there anyone that you that you was not in the uh, the documentary uh, mm -hmm. uh, that you would have liked to have seen talking about Iceberg Slim? Uh, probably uh, Roseanne. <laughs> Do you feel a certain kinship to Roseanne? Yeah, yeah, I feel like again that's another pimp of the industry. I feel like because she just knocked down barriers and nobody really wanted her show to come around, and she was just like, "Fuck you, hoes." It's just. <laughs> The smack in ABC in the, in the mouth. And, I, and then now, you know, mellowed out, kind of just his own Twitter talking about uh, Jews and almonds. <laughs> and I respect that. I follow Roseanne closely. It certainly seems that you do. <laughs> um, we have time for some, uh, some questions from uh, the social networking platform Twitter. These are people that, uh, that could not be here with us tonight. Although there might be some, the last few shows, we've gotten these questions from a Twitter and then it turns out that people were here. And it also turns out that they asked very rude questions that we forced them to ask in person to the guest. Um, <laughs> fellow named uh, Eric Aragon, uh, Iceberg Slim, which actor is cool enough to play you in a biopic? Apart from, uh, uh, from uh, Scarlett Johansson, any other picks? Um, Dave Franco. <laughs> Not James. No, 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 no. Dave, the star of uh, Now You See Me mm -hmm. and the upcoming Business Trouble, what's it called? <laughs> I forget. Some, some movie about biz unfinished business. <laughs> Is that right? Thank you. Well, thank you all for pretending you didn't know what I was talking about when you knew full well. Let's let him drown up there. <laughs> Um, someone named Sari Gamp. Now this person's asked questions so many times and they, I, I still don't believe that's a real person. <laughs> Sari Gamp. Is that a good pimp name, Sari Gamp? No. <laughs> what could make it better? Uh, scary Gamp. Scary. There we go. Pays to ask the experts. <laughs> scary Gamp asks, did you ever visit Philadelphia, the film location for Trick Pony? been to the city of brotherly love i'm a big fan of the cheesesteaks and actually the broccoli raw is uh, where you get just the pork sandwich with the broccoli i mean people you gotta go several times to know this but i, I love philadelphia it's, it's a great city the city of brotherly love i'm just i, I love it do, do, do you know any uh, any famous uh, Philadelphia pimps that you might be able to tell us about? Oh, definitely, definitely know some. De <laughs> there was a No Liberty Bill. 
<laughs> and I feel like that's all I can remember right now. What about a fellow named like uh, 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 Benjamin's Franklin? Would that be <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Nick Nick Bowen asks, Mister Slim. Very respectful. Mm-hmm. What? Who's your favorite hip hop artist that cites you as a reference? Hmm. I had to think about that. Take your time. Talk to these people over here. Hello. <laughs> Back to the future time travel, right? I get it. <laughs> this is this is the year that everyone's so excited about. Why would I be excited about that? <laughs> now, it, 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 but 2015 figures in the, the, the sequel to Back to the Future? Yes. What, what year does he travel to in the first film? 55. Oh, he got, that's right, it's the past. And then he goes into the future, 2015, and that's here now. That's why you're wearing that T-shirt. Have you pledged to wear that T-shirt for every, every day in 2015? <laughs> You could have several like uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum out of the fly when he had uh, all the matching outfits. <laughs> oh, here's a, uh, did you, uh, I forget yeah, what the sure. question was. Uh, which rapper do I like the most yes. who I influence? I want to say Ludacris. Ludacris. I like Ludacris. Chris Bridges. Yeah, because he, I mean, he manages to have holes in every area code. And you know, with the advent of cellular technology, there's so many more area codes than when you were pimping. <laughs> it's, I don't even know if we can count the number of area codes that exist today, but it's, it's, a, a it's, it's quite a boast. It's quite a boast on, on Ludacris's part. Um, here's a question from uh, Virginia Jones. She asks, what do you think of the continuing struggle for women's equality today? <laughs> I just kind of I mean it's a it's a nuanced subject, <laughs> and I think I understand it. I mean, most of all, it's just women want to just be like, hey, I'm, I, and they are you're, you're equals, and they just want to be treated as such, and not treated as you have to look out for them, but also not to be preyed upon, and they just you know, want to be respected and also be allowed to be open and be sexual when they want to be without fear of being attacked, and that's a hard thing for women to go through. And most of that, I always say, is just shut up, bitch. <laughs> I think we'll leave it there. Iceberg Slim, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks to Iceberg Slim for his time, and special thanks to Mr. Ron Funches for no particular reason. This podcast is produced by Messrs. Ben Zelovansky and Paul F. Tompkins, with special material written by Mr. Zelovansky. The producers wish to thank Cody Fisher, Marlene Maginot, Jim Yatto, Mike Still, Susan Hale, and everyone at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theatre Los Angeles, and Tia Stark and Joel Arkeos of 826LA. Our theme was composed and performed by Mr. Eben Schletter, Esquire. Our program is recorded live and monthly at the UCB Theatre Los Angeles. If you'd like to attend a future recording, tickets may be acquired at ucbtheatre.com. The theatre donates all proceeds to A26LA. For updates on future performances, please like the Dead Authors page on Facebook. For additional updates, or to ask questions of our guests from the safety of your very own thumbs, follow us on Twitter, at DeadAuthorPod. The original Dead Authors reading series was created by Mr. John Korn. Until next time, this is H.G. Wells saying, the show is over. <laughs>